Global Investing in the New World Order. That's the topic we'll be discussing today on this edition of the Take 15 series. Hi, I'm John Bowman, Head of Innovation and Product Solutions at CFA Institute. And I'm here today with the Chief Investment Officer of Lee Munder Capital Group and an old colleague and friend, Jeff Davis. Jeff, thanks for joining us. Thanks, John. Pleasure to be here. So, Jeff, you've been in global investing, emerging markets, all of your career, really. But you're convinced that we've seen a fundamental shift in the risk profile, in the composition, in the scope, really, of the global market portfolio. Talk us through this new world order. Sure, sure. Uh, well, the first 20 years of, or 25 years of uh, being a global investor have been about trying to define the equity market portfolio. So uh, a lot of things that you learned in the CFA back in the 80s, you sort of are struggling with. That is how many countries are going to be investing in and, and the benchmark changes. And of course, the major change uh, in our lives have been investing in emerging markets. So today, we've uh, had to struggle with what's the market portfolio for equities. Uh, the, the, uh, the great turnabout in the last three years is suddenly we have to worry about that other component of the, uh, uh, of the efficient frontier, the risk-free rate. You know, what is risk-free? And uh, right now, I think we're in the middle of trying to redefine what risk-free is as it relates to U.S. Treasury bills. So uh, suddenly, uh, there's never a dull moment in investing. So suddenly, we're reevaluating um, what's risk-free and how do you address it and how do you keep clients' assets safe and protected. So I could go on about the uh, Morgan Stanley Cap International is really defined for, for the world's equity markets, uh, the standard for benchmark comparisons, performance, where you should be investing, what are risky, and what's emerging and developed. And that line is now so blurred we find ourselves in, in the middle of a redefinition of what are developed markets and what are emerging markets, considering that some of the sovereign debt in the emerging world are in, in better financial shape than the sovereign debt of the developed world. And that's a first for, I think, uh, uh, for the world since maybe World War II. Uh, so we've had to grapple with uh, what's safe and conservative investing uh, in the equity markets. Um, the, uh, We've just are announcing this month, this is August, we talk about August 2011, uh, we are announcing that we're adapting the Morgan Stanley All Country World Investable Markets Index, which is a 45 country comprehensive index that includes small cap stocks. And so I think that's the biggest change that we've really expanded what is the equity markets of the world to that comprehensive level. And, uh, it's a lot to grapple with. I think you just have to be able to um, uh, understand such a broad range of, of not only financial issues, but political issues, uh, debt issues, as well as equity issues, and all the effects of the alternative investing they're having on, on this world. So, man, it's just totally redefined what you do for a living as CIOs of the world have to understand way too much that they can, to be specialists in anything right now because of the comprehensive uh, uh, aspect of, of the benchmarks today. Well, it, it strikes me uh, that we've got a bit of a microcosm of this shift in the location of risk with the recent downgrade of the U.S. sovereign debt, continuing pressure on the Japanese and European sovereign debt. Uh, certainly, we're seeing exactly what you're talking about play out. Uh, so how has that changed? If you're, if you're a global fund manager, if you're a pension fiduciary, how would you actually counsel these individuals to think through risk budget, to think through global asset allocation, geographic focus, et cetera? Yeah. Well, the worst thing that can happen, and I think it has happened, is, is sort of the deer in the headlights effect. And, and, I, and I think that just happened in August, where 
a lot of retail investors in particular the, in the high net worth space were amazed at the downgrade of the U.S. debt. And, uh, and, and there was a deer in the headlights kind of reaction or, and also panic selling, not even that, more aggressive protect my assets kind of reaction, which wasn't really fundamentally based. The good news, I think, is that a lot of, of, of American investors, so we used to in the 80s, when I first started getting involved in global investing, nobody knew anything about investing over the borders. It would really, there's just a few groups that were doing very innovative things in the 70s uh, with international investing. And then it was still an, an exotic, risky asset class in the 80s. Today, you have to know it just to function within the U.S. markets. Uh, and I think um, uh, the downgrade of the debt really brought home the fact that you, know, you need special training on international investing to understand where the safe risks were and where the unsafe risks are. Uh, I think the reaction to buy gold is sometimes has worked out so far, but it's a very speculative way to protect your assets. Whereas if you understand uh, the global markets and the emerging markets and the stability of some of the banks that are outside, even in Canada and Australia, that there's safety there. And uh, so once you uh, have gone to sort of global investing, you understand that there's a, you, you can sort of find that there's a composite safe asset that you can that you can uh, rely on. And so I think the downgrade of the U.S. debt and some of the problems with sovereign risk has pushed us into a new definition of risk-free rate. And it's calling upon different you know, skill sets for CIOs and investment managers all together. But I, I think uh, the last 20 years have been a good warm-up for it. Right. Now, I want to get back to that benchmark change you alluded mm -hmm. to, shifting from MSCI world to ACWI, All Country World Index. What are some of the considerations that you at Munder went through to consider such a change? Uh, if others, uh, when they're listening, might think through that type of change, what risks might uh, you want to think carefully through? I think of style drift mm -hmm. as one that comes to mind particularly. Mm -hmm. uh, size drift, uh, mm -hmm. given the inclusion of, of some of the small cap and mid cap areas. But can you talk us through that, that decision process? Well, I think the uh, in the beginning uh, of let's say, the uh, great emerging markets trend where the risks were really difficult to quantify it because you were suddenly introducing political risk. Uh, everybody should understand when they invest their money over a border, they're a foreign investor. And foreign investors are still a subordinated investor. And uh, so you have to keep that in mind when wherever you go, whether it's Europe or Asia or Africa or Latin America, that you're a foreign investor. And um, that way you have to think about uh, where you are in certain situations. Uh, but that said, I think there's a commitment that was forged in the, in the 90s that, uh, that capital flows will stay intact, that you must allow foreigners to withdraw and, and commit capital freely to have a, a proper functioning economy. And I think the, that gives us a, a lot of uh, confidence that a broad benchmark like the, the all-country world index is something sound and sensible. Um, the, uh, Composition, 45 countries is a lot of countries, and there's no way that anybody, any individual is going to be you know, knowledgeable about what's going on there. So in order to uh, manage to that kind of benchmark, you have to have a, a degree of expertise within your shop to deal with certain areas, as well as a very, very firm grasp of the tools of indexes and uh, diversification, uh, how to use some of the, the quantitative risk tools and how not to use them what VAR can and can't do to your portfolio. You really have to have sort of a composite skill set to, to manage it. But I think most managers of the future are gonna to have to have that. Uh, even the specialty shops where people are very good at one certain kind of asset class have to be plugged in somehow 
to those who are talking about right now, you know, the uh, credit default swaps on sovereign debt, uh, uh, you know, the uh, latest budget you know, round of uh, budget uh, negotiations in the U.S. Uh, Congress, and then, and, and then the ECB actions. So you have to be plugged in. Uh, so and taking on a broad benchmark like the, the ACQUI IMI, as a, the, the shorthand abbreviation for it, is you just have to be ready to, to function across asset class, not necessarily actively in stock picking, but understanding sort of how they, they interrelate to each other. I see, I see. So finally, if, if we buy into this massive risk reallocation across the world, this new world order as we're talking through, uh, what specific advice, any particular sectors or geographic regions that you think might particularly benefit from this change? Well, we're kind of in the, uh, the aftermath or the hangover, however you want to describe the uh, too big to fail period here in the United States. And uh, I think it's, uh, it's important to understand that there are companies that are too big to fail in every market, and particularly the emerging markets, that there are state controlled and, and protected enterprises that uh, I think are going to be kind of a burden for growth in the future. So every, everybody's going to deal with it differently. We're dealing with ours head on right now. Uh, but there was another period in, in uh, investment history, uh, particularly in the 1970s during the what we call the malaise period, where uh, the government was really going through a great deal of problems, uh, regulatory burdens, uh, and, and uh, large corporations were having a hard time growing. They were uh, bureaucratic, cumbersome, and out from uh, a lousy market emerged small cap stocks in the U.S., which has become probably one of the most dynamic and exciting and ever-changing and ever-growing asset classes uh, in the world. And now, uh, they're pretty fully valued right now, uh, but in Europe and in Asia, you have a class of small cap stocks that are just beginning that dynamic. And I think uh, if you look forward, the situation in Europe, particularly the long-term financing issues that are, they're dealing with in terms of retirement uh, and the aging population, they're going to have to encourage growth. And it's going to have to come from the micro side, the bottom up. So I think there's a, a real strong case that small caps may emerge out of uh, today's environment as the real growth story for the next five to 10 years. So we're very interested in developing and growing that asset class, which is, you know, the international small cap MSCI has an index for that. It's a good one to learn to start with. There's plenty of inefficiencies. It's a real challenge for the investment community to invest there because small cap is typically on the ground. And so, you know, the big companies, you know, are the only ones who can afford offices in all over Europe and Asia, but some of the best investing is done by small teams. So it's a real challenge to exploit that asset class, but it's really probably going to be, the, I think, the one that's going to be emerging out of this crisis as the big winner. Fantastic. Well, you've heard it. A shift to Acqui and a shift to European and Asian small caps. Jeff, thanks so much for being here. Thank you, John. And thanks for watching this edition of Take 15. Copyright 2011 CFA Institute. No part may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, electronic, mechanical, recording, or otherwise, without the express prior written permission of CFA Institute. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.